Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for joining us for today's podcast from Dublin First Baptist Church in Dublin, North Carolina. We hope you'll be encouraged today as you listen to our message. For more information, please visit our website at www.dublinfbc.org. That's www.dublinfbc.org. Now let's join the congregation of Dublin First Baptist as we listen to the preaching of God's Word. Well, we're actually going to talk about the cross tonight, as I've mentioned, as I've prayed, as we sang about tonight. And i got to tell you, it was a little hard to choose some songs for tonight because there are quite a few uh, good songs in our hymnal and, and otherwise, some not in the hymnal, but about the cross of Christ. And it's a very important thing. I think sometimes in our lives, uh, we don't think about it as much as maybe we should, or we forget about the importance of it, we don't think about it. We're, we're, obviously, I think we're thankful for our salvation. You know, I think, you know, I know I am. I think that you, all of us in here would testify the same way. We're thankful for salvation. We're thankful to know of Jesus Christ. Uh, and we know that the cross is, is part of it. Uh, the whole thing, and it's part of the story. It's, it's, it is the story. It is the message we're going to see tonight, the Lord willing. Uh, but it's something that we don't think about maybe as much as we should. And, and as we get closer and closer to this season right now where we're getting, you know, Easter's coming on, and, and uh, it's good to think about it any time of the year, okay? But uh, as we get to this season especially, we can think about the preaching of the cross. So 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 is where we're going to be tonight. 1 Corinthians Chapter 1, verse 18, the preaching of the cross, the preaching of the cross. I think there's a lot of people today that don't understand the importance of it that are outside of the church. Now, I'm talking about people outside of the church, not don't understand the significance of it or don't, or don't care enough to think about it, honestly, or don't understand why it's so important to Christians. But I think it's important for us to uh, share that hope that people have and talk about it. It's not always easy. We, we hear about, you know, the goriness of it. We won't get into any details like that tonight. We hear about the sacrifice. We hear about all these things, but, but we, don't, uh, we don't often include that in our uh, message, perhaps, that we sh- at the way that we should. But people today are the same as people in this passage here. They don't understand the significance or the importance of the cross, and so they uh, think of it as foolishness, they put it aside, they don't care much to hear about it, and that's where we need to be uh, ready to give that answer and understanding ourselves as Christians the importance of the cross. So let's look here tonight. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, beginning in verse 18, says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews, a stumbling block, unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. So tonight I want to look at these here in this section and see what Paul is talking about and what we gain from it and the importance of the preaching 
of the cross. Two groups here tonight that are in verse 18 that we start off with. Those that perish and those that are saved. Look again at verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved is the power of God. And you could almost read that, and this is kind of how I look through it today. You could almost read it in both ways. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. You could start that over again. For the preaching of the cross is to them which are saved. It is the power of God. So there's two main groups here tonight that we're going to be looking at. Two main points. Those that are those that are perish and those who are saved. And both groups have some certain specific things about the preaching of the cross that apply to them. To those that are, to those that are saved, it's foolishness. We'll look at a little bit specific. There's two groups under there, the Jews and the Greeks, and why it's a foolishness to them. And then there's two things for the saved. At verse 24, where it says the power of God and the wisdom of God. And so as we go along tonight, the Lord add his blessing to this time. I think the first question we need to answer, though, is this. What is the preaching of the cross? If the preaching of the cross is important, then what is the preaching of the cross? Well, I can just say this to begin with. The preaching of the cross is the gospel. You cannot separate the gospel of Jesus Christ and the cross. They're not two different things. The preaching of the cross is the gospel of Jesus Christ. You have to have both. They are important. They are one and the same. They are connected. If you're doing anything else, we're going to see in a minute, you're not preaching the gospel. You're not preaching the cross. And as we go through, we see the word preaching a lot of times in this passage in the King James Version. But Paul is not talking tonight about preaching itself as a mode of telling the gospel or as a mode of getting the gospel out. When he's talking about preaching, what he's talking about is the content of the message, not the way the message is being delivered. See, our lives as Christians should be preaching the gospel and preaching the cross all the time in the way that we live the way that we uh, conduct our business, the way that we are at our jobs or around our neighbors at the shopping mall or at the grocery store, wherever it is that we go during the day, our lives should be demonstrating the gospel, the preaching of the cross. And so it's not the fact that someone's standing behind a pulpit giving a message is what Paul's talking about. He's talking about the actual message itself. The gospel is the cross. And that makes it a very important message then. But these two subgroups underneath this first passage here had some problems with the content. And we still find it today in the same way. People that have a problem with the content of our message. First we see the Jews. First we see the Jews. Look all the way down to, we'll be skipping around a little bit here, but look all the way down to verse 22. It says, For the Jews require a sign... And the Greeks seek after wisdom. So underneath this first part here, there's these two groups, the Jews and the Greeks, or the Gentiles, people that are not Jewish. The Jews require a sign. The Greeks seek after wisdom. Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 12, please, tonight. Matthew chapter 12. Because this is a very common thing that's been going on for them. Matthew chapter 12 and verse number 38, Jesus is talking to the scribes, the Pharisees. They've come to him. They're wanting to know these things. They're asking questions as always, trying to trip Jesus up, trying to get him to say something that would prove that he is not who he says he is. So in Matthew 12, 38, it says this, Then certain of the scribes and Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. 
But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. And there shall no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was, in, was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonas. And behold, a greater than Jonas is here. And so we go back to the Old Testament and we see, we know the story. Jonah was sent to Nineveh to preach. He didn't go the first time, he went the second time. He was in the belly of the whale three days. The sign given here is this, that Jesus Christ would be in the grave three days, three nights. That Jesus Christ would be buried and that he would rise again just as Jonah did. But here they are asking, as we see over in in our text tonight, that they are asking for that sign. They want to see that. And Jesus says, no, there is no sign coming but this. All of the signs in the Old Testament were there. When we look at Nineveh, they're rising up because they repented at the preaching. They repented at the content that Jonah gave them. That repent. They didn't ask for a sign. They repented when they heard the message. They recognized. All the signs had been given through the Old Testament. In the book of Isaiah and other prophets, everything in the Old Testament is pointing to Jesus Christ. They had all they needed. They didn't recognize it because their hearts had been hardened. They wanted another sign. To the Jewish people, the cross is a stumbling block. Romans 9.33 says this, It is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. And that's the important key right there, whosoever believeth on him. See, that stumbling stone, that rock of offense is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the cornerstone. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. His death on the cross was offensive to the Jewish people. It was offensive to them because they were not seeking after a person to come and save them from their sins and redeem them. They were seeking a political Messiah who would come and who would set up his kingdom and would rid them of Roman rule and would reestablish the throne of David in a political way. They weren't looking for a Messiah who would come and save them. They weren't looking for a Messiah who would come and die on the cross. It was offensive in in the Old Testament. In Deuteronomy, it says that those that hang on a tree are cursed. Cursed is he that hangs on a tree. And so for the Jewish people, it was offensive to them. They could not accept what they saw. But then in the text, we're also talking about the Greeks. The Greeks are there as well. They're seeking after wisdom. Highly prized among them to be a wise person. And we look through uh, Greek history and you see all of those people like Socrates and Plato and Aristotle and all these people you learn about in school. And wisdom was the most important thing to them. But all the wisdom they had was the wisdom of the world. They knew that the cross was an instrument of death. So going to the Greek people at this time and saying, hey, let me tell you the message of the cross, just to make it a little bit more understandable for us, it'd be like me walking up to a person and say, hey, let me tell you the message of the electric chair. Let me tell you the message of the lethal injection. It's an instrument of execution. 
It wasn't something that to them made any sense at all. And they were trying to figure it out in their own mind. They're trying to reason in their own thinking how a person could come and go to such a death and to save. And how does it all work out? It doesn't make any sense. It's foolishness to them. You see, the Greek people, the Gentiles, and very much today, people today who are unsaved, they want a Messiah that would fit in their mind. A Messiah that would fit into their way that they could figure out on their own. They could compartmentalize and analyze and come up with theories and list them out. Something that could be tested and proven over and over again in in a jar, in a laboratory. What people want today is a God of their creation. They don't want the God of creation. And that's what we see in our culture as we look around and we see people trying to redefine when is birth, when does life begin. Why do we have to redefine that? Because we're making God in our image then, and mankind becomes God. It's nothing new under the sun. It's been that way since the beginning of of sin in the world. If we can redefine when life begins, we can decide when life ends. That's the other end of the spectrum, too. And pretty soon, everything in the middle, they'll start saying, hey, you know what? What kind of quality of life does this person really have? And I don't want to get too far down this road. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm jumping on this bandwagon tonight. But it's what people want because they don't want to be accountable to God. They want to be their own God. The Greeks wanted to be their own God. The reason they cannot understand the preaching of the cross is because their mind is unable to achieve it. If you're back in 1 Corinthians, you can just look probably across the page, but 1 Corinthians 2, 14 says this, But the natural man, the unsaved, receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. The unsaved look at the preaching of the cross They look at the gospel message and they say foolishness. They cannot understand it because they are unsaved. They cannot comprehend in their mind why it would be that way. And so as the Jews are seeking after a sign, something to prove, and as the Greeks are seeking to compartmentalize and decide in their own selves what God is and who God is and create God in their own image rather than God creating man in in, in his image, they miss the whole point. And they remain unsaved. So the preaching of the cross then is this. It is the preaching of the good news of Jesus Christ. That he came to earth as a man. He put aside his glory, but he didn't give up his position or power. That he humbled himself to death on the cross as a propitiation, as as taking our place, taking our punishment on himself that we deserved for our sins. He died in our place in the cruelest instrument of death in the ancient world. Why? So that we can be reconciled to God through, by Him through His resurrection. And that's the importance of the preaching of the cross. That's the power there. So our first question, what is the preaching of the cross? We've got that answered. Here's the second thing. What is not the preaching of the cross? I think this is just as important a question to ask as what is the preaching of the cross? Because there's a lot of things today that people are out there preaching and talking about and saying. 
that have nothing to do with the cross of Christ. They have nothing to do with Christianity. They have nothing to do with what it's really all about. So what is not the preaching of the cross? Well, the preaching of the cross is not preaching a high moral standard. Just do really good in your life and try really hard and work really hard to do your very best and, you know, don't smoke and don't drink and don't run with girls that do, you know, that kind of thing. Have a high moral standard and you'll be okay. That's not the preaching of the cross. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says this, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Saved by grace through faith, not anything that we could do. Paul said everything that he counted as righteousness was filthy rags. Not anything that we could do that brings it. So there's no moral standard. There's no thing that we can do. And that's what part of the point of the Old Testament law was. Was to show the Jewish people that, you know what? It's not just the Ten Commandments that we think about. It's like 614 rules. Ladies in here, you think, you know, it's, you got to keep your house clean and everything. Well, go talk to an Orthodox Jewish woman about keeping a kosher house. And all of a sudden, your burden and your, what you do to keep your house clean will seem like light work. It'll be easy. Because it's hard what they do. But it's a works-based salvation. But that doesn't earn salvation. That, that high moral standard, that, that doing, is not what gets a person saved. The gospel is, not, is also not the universal fatherhood of God. There's a lot of people out there that would say, you know, well, God's the father of all, and, and, and he's your father and my father and, and your father. And it... So we'll all get there someday, right? We'll be all good. We'll be okay. No big deal. But that's not the truth of the gospel. Look, John 1.12 says this, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Now, it's true that God is the creator of all things. But those that are saved are the sons of God. Those that are the saved are the children of God. And even Paul had to deal with this with the Jewish people in Romans chapter 2 when he had to explain that it's not circumcision, it's not keeping of the law that makes a person a Jew. It's not the outward stuff that a person does. It's the inward stuff. It's the... It's the coming to Christ in belief, trusting in faith, believing in Him that He has saved, that He has died on the cross, that He is the Messiah, that He's come again, that He's risen from the dead, and that He's with His Father. That is coming together. That is the gospel. It is not this outward stuff. It's what is inside. Asking for forgiveness of sins and humbling ourselves before God. Not the universal fatherhood of God. It's not the universal brotherhood of man. This is something that's taught a lot, too, that salvation is somehow we're all together in this way. I'm not going to read this whole passage because it's a huge one, but Luke 10, 25 to 37, is about the Good Samaritan. Now, we know that story pretty well. The guy's going down along the road. He gets beat up, left by the road for dead. Three people pass him, right? Priest, a Levi, a scribe, they all pass him. They go on their business, and the Samaritan, the outcast, comes and picks him up and cleans him up. Takes care for him, takes care of his wounds, takes him to an inn, pays for the inn, pays further money if he needs to, 
So there's a neighborhood, there's neighbors, there's being a good neighbor, and that story illustrates that anyone is a good neighbor. There is the family of God, those that are saved are brothers and sisters of Christ, but there's not a universal brotherhood of man that somehow gets us all uh, saved. Also, the gospel, the preaching of the cross, is not the universal salvation of everyone, regardless of their belief. There's some that would say, hey, you know what? If you just believe in whatever you're doing, whatever you're seeking, whatever you're doing, we'll all get there someday. We'll all be in heaven. You know, it's okay if you don't believe exactly what the Bible says, because we'll all get there someday. John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh to the Father but by me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus kept it pretty exclusive. There is only one way, there's only one truth, and there's only one life, and it's only found in Jesus Christ. And so the preaching of the cross is so important. What is it and what is it not? And it's important for us as we go out to understand that too because we are called to share the gospel. We're called to be the ones to go out and preach this to those. And again, not preaching as in standing up and giving a sermon necessarily, but how we live our lives and what we're doing from day to day. The preaching of the cross. So for those who are unsaved, it's foolishness. They're looking for a sign. They're trying to figure it out in their own mind. They're coming up with different theories and possibilities about what it truly is. But it's none of those things. What is the preaching of the cross then? Getting back to our main text, we saw the preaching of the cross is them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved is the power of God. So number two, the second group of people in our main text tonight are those that are saved. Those that are saved, those that know that they have come to a trusting faith, a saving faith of Jesus Christ, these are the ones that the preaching of them is the power of God and the wisdom of God. And we're going to look at those two things here. And look over again at 1 Corinthians 1 and 24. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, the wisdom of God. Back up one verse, verse 23. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, unto the Greeks foolishness. The power of God, first of all. Preaching to them which are saved. It's just as important. And Romans 1.16 says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. And this here is Paul's method of how he set up when he went to any city. He always went to the synagogue first. He always went in and taught to the Jewish people. And when they rejected him ultimately and kicked him out, those that did, he went on into the Gentile population of that city and shared with them the gospel as well. But the power of the cross is in the salvation which it brings to those that receive it through faith. The power of the preaching of the cross is in salvation. And there's three parts in this salvation that are very key and very important for us today. The first one is this. Salvation delivers us from the penalties of sin. Romans 6.23, we looked at this a couple of weeks ago. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The penalty of sin, the wages of sin, the cost of sin is death. And there's been separation from God and man since the day that Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. That's what their immediate death was, was that spiritual death, that loss of fellowship with Christ. Immediately cut off. But there is physical death too, because ultimately they did die along with everybody else. 
And if the Lord tarries is coming for a long time, then all of us in here will die one day too. The wages of sin is death. Death is that separation. A person who is spiritually dead but physically alive is separated from God. They have no fellowship with God because they're unsaved. When a loved one passes away, there's a separation from us and that loved one because they're not here on earth with us anymore. And ultimately, there's going to be a death, the second death, the separation of eternity for those that do not accept Jesus Christ is that one day when all those that are unsaved stand before God at the great white throne, the only place after that will be the lake of fire. And there will be an eternity punishment for those individuals who reject Jesus Christ. That is the second death. But the opposite of that verse, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Salvation delivers us from the penalty of sin because we do not die spiritually. We're not separated. We're going to die physically someday, probably, unless the Lord comes back. But we will never die spiritually. And one day we will, and we're going to see that at the end of this, one day we will have a new body and we'll be with Jesus Christ forever. We will be alive forever. The first thing, the penalty of sin. The salvation that is offered through the power of the cross delivers us now from the, pres- from the presence, excuse me, the power of sin in our lives. Romans 6, 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. We don't have to live in the same way as an unsaved person who is continually sinning. They can't stop. They can't help it because it's all they do. It's their nature. But a person who is saved, a person who's come to saving faith in Jesus Christ, has the power of Christ in them, the Holy Spirit in them, to deliver them from the power of sin at that moment. The temptations that come in our life, we don't have to go through and follow through with that sin. We don't have to go forward and and commit the actual sin. Temptation will come. But we don't have to go forward with that sin because the power of Christ in our life through the cross delivers us from that power over, over us and we can live in a way that is pleasing to God. We can put aside that. We reckon ourselves dead to sin but alive to Christ. The old man was crucified with Christ and the new man now lives. We don't have to serve it anymore. Thirdly tonight, we're, ser- we're saved through the power of the cross from the presence of sin one day. One day from the presence of sin. Romans 8.23, talking about all of creation. And not only they, that is creation, all of creation, but we ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. When we wake up in the morning and there's snap, crackle, and pop, and it's not Rice Krispies, Right? When we go through our life and and we see suffering, and we go through our life and we see family members and we think, why do these things happen? And we're our own bodies. Or whenever we have hard times or whenever we feel the weight of sin just crushing down on us. Or whenever we know that there is temptation in our life or or that discouragement is coming. All those things are that, that groaning within ourselves. We're wanting to go and be with Christ. We know there's better days coming. And there's that desire to depart and to be with Christ forevermore. And one day it will be there in the sense that in the new heaven, in the new earth, there will be no more sin. 
that will be delivered. But in the new body, all those things will no longer be there. No more disease, no more death, no more aches and pains. Because we'll have a new body and all of those things that are affected by the sin curse on this whole world will be gone. We're delivered from the presence of sin. That's the power of the cross. That's the power of God. That is the preaching of the gospel. The power of God, the power of the cross is displayed in Jesus Christ by his resurrection. 2 Corinthians 13.4 For though he was crucified through weakness... Though he was crucified through weakness, 2 Corinthians 13, 4. Yet he liveth by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, though we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. He was crucified, and he died a literal death, but he didn't stay dead. He didn't stay in the tomb. He rose again. And it was the power, his power. He rose again by his power. And the proof that he rose again is the proof that he is God, that he is uh, God the Son, and that the Spirit of, of God, the Holy Spirit in us, declares the truth of the risen Savior. The power of the cross is that he is no longer dead. He is alive forevermore. The power of the cross is the changed lives of his followers. And as we can sit here, some of us, we can, we can sit, all of us could do this actually, we could think about where we might be tonight had it not been for the preaching of the cross in our lives. Somebody at some point in time, whether it was Sunday school teacher, mom or dad, pastor, friend, neighbor, cousin, whatever, somebody in our life cared enough to tell each one of us about Jesus Christ and about the power of the cross. And because of that, the Holy Spirit working in us brought us to salvation. And our lives are changed and forever different because of that. And we could think about those things, the way we were before salvation. We can remember the moment of salvation, or the time before and the time now. We can see that there's a difference in our life. We can see the change in other people's lives as well as, as we lead other people to Christ or as others get saved around us and we see a difference in their lives. We can see the power of the cross working in them. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The power of the cross is in the changed lives. It's the power of God. And those of us that are saved need to remember also that the preaching of the cross is for us who are saved as well as those who are unsaved. Because for us who are saved, it reminds us of all of these things. The power of God working in Christ. The power of God working in us. Not only the power of God, but also the wisdom of God. I ask you to go back to 1 Corinthians if you're not there. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We'll kind of finish up looking at this section here. 1 Corinthians 1, 19 to 21. And jumping around a little bit here as well. For it is written, verse 19, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? 
For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. So the preaching is to those who are saved, not only the power of God, but also the wisdom of God. And again, in our own limited wisdom, we try to save ourselves. That's what Adam and Eve were ultimately doing when they sewed the fig leaves together. They were trying to create their own righteousness through their works. They reasoned in their heads that we can just make this covering for ourselves and we will no longer be ashamed. But the wisdom of this world is made of nothing by the wisdom of God. Isaiah 29, 14, Therefore, behold, I will proceed to do marvelous work among this people, even a marvelous work and a wonder. For the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, the understanding of their prudent men shall be hid. God will destroy the wisdom of man and will not bow to it. And that prompts Paul in our section we just read to ask the question, where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Those that say they're wise are only wise in this world's ways. They're like it says in 2 Timothy 3, 7. They're ever learning, but they're never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. We look around today. We have all of that knowledge floating around, do we not? We have blog posts, and, and, and then we have scientific learning and things, and they're always coming up with new theories and, and analyzing this rock and sending satellites out into space and taking pictures of Mars and all kind of stuff, and they're learning and learning and learning and learning, but we're never able to come to the knowledge of the truth because there's no way that the wisdom of man can unravel the wisdom of God. And all of those stand before God, and they have no answer. The wisdom of this world says that only the strong survive. Take what you can and live for today, right? Empty yourself or become one with the universe. There's all these different things out there. But here's the thing that Matthew 20, 16, 26 says, and Jesus said, For what is a man profit if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? We could get all of the knowledge and understanding that we can in this world. We could learn everything there is to learn, perhaps. We could gather books into a room and and have resources. I know nowadays it's Google, right? But it won't bring about the truth. It won't help us to know. Look just across the page there in your in, in your. Bible to 1 Corinthians 1, 27 to 29. God in his wisdom made a way to salvation that seems foolish because he does not share the glory. Look at verse 27 of 1 Corinthians 1. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world, and things which are despised God hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Not only does God, through his wisdom, provide a way of salvation that doesn't make sense to the unsaved, and doesn't seem like it should be, but also he chooses and calls those that seem to be unfit and unable and unqualified to do the work of the preaching of the cross. That no flesh should glory in his presence. Paul did not think the preaching was foolish or the message He just knows what Isaiah 55 says. God's wisdom is not man's wisdom. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts 
than your thoughts. God is pleased to give a crucified Messiah as the hope of salvation to confound those that are wise in the world and those that seek to have Jesus through their own works or to have their own salvation. The preaching of the cross to them that are saved is the power of God and the wisdom of God. And it's so important that we every day are remembering these things. The preaching of the cross is the most important and central thing to our Christianity, that we share that hope. There is hope in that. As I was reading through this, I uh, found a little story here that I'll share with you in closing. It says this. Strong church once inscribed the words, we preach Christ crucified. From 1 Corinthians 1.23. On an archway, excuse me, leading to the churchyard. Over time, two things happened to this church. One, the church lost its passion for Jesus and his gospel. And also, as that archway there was going into a courtyard, there were you know, plants and so forth, gardens, and some ivy began to grow on this arch. And as the growth of the ivy went, so was the way the church was going as well. Spiritual decline. Originally it said, we preach Christ crucified. But as the ivy kind of grew up more and more, it said, we preach Christ. We preach Christ. And we think, well, that doesn't sound so bad. We preach Christ. But that leads to things like, Jesus is a great man. Jesus is a good moral example. He's a good teacher. Good pattern for our life but it leaves out the most important part. The ivy kept growing, and soon it can only read, we preach, we preach. Eventually, that church lost even Jesus in the message. As so many churches today have even lost that. Jesus is not in the message. We looked on Sunday night at the last church of of Revelation, Laodicea, and we often use that verse that Jesus is outside knocking on the as a way of salvation, he's knocking on your heart. Won't you let him in? But think about the picture of that whole thing right there. Jesus Christ was outside of the church, knocking on the church door. Because they let him out. And so without Jesus, we're just preaching about religion, how to be a good person, 12 steps to being a better person in 2019, right? 19 ways to be a better person in 2019. And finally, at the end, all you could read, because the ivy had grown so thick, was we. That's all you could see. And inside the church became a social gathering place. All about we and not about God. The preaching of the cross is so important. And it's just as important today as it was in Paul's day. And there are those that, like the Jews and the Greeks, they didn't understand it. It was a stumbling stone. It was an offense to them. They couldn't reason in their minds, and so they said it's not important. Some today say, hey, you've got to update your message. You've got to make it more uh, for the culture today. You've got to make it match. You can't say these things. You can't talk about blood anymore. But they're just like the Jews and the Greeks of that day. They didn't understand the true meaning of the cross. But the power of the cross and the wisdom of the cross remain. And it's the message that we have to preach today. It's only through the preaching of the cross do we get the whole gospel message. If we take that away, we take away the power of the gospel and make it of no effect. So this evening, I hope that as we together, we've seen the preaching of the cross and how important that is. Let's stand together to our feet.